Our sermon text comes from John 1, verses 43 through 51. Please stand. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is God's word. You may be seated. So there I was, missionary Tom, and I was on a mission from God. And that mission led me to Dan's driveway. Dan had been coming to our church for a couple weeks now, and he actually invited me to come over to his house. And I was convinced that I was going to tell Dan about Jesus. And you know what? As I stood in Dan's driveway, I was nervous. My palms were a little sweaty. I was rehearsing in my mind what I wanted to tell him. Uh, but I got up the strength, and I knocked on the door. And Dan let me in, and we had some small talk for a little bit. He invited me to sit down in his living room. And uh, I said, well, I did come here to talk to you about the Bible. And slowly but surely, I stumbled my way through talking about the law, how all people are sinful and deserve damnation, but how Jesus saved us from our sins and brings us to a home in heaven. And that's when Dan said, okay, that's enough. See, because I didn't go to Dan's house for concern for his soul, I went to Dan's house for a grade. Because Dan wasn't Prospect Dan, the new person to come to our church. Dan was a a professor at the seminary that I went to. And at the seminary, they make you take a one-credit course called Evangelism 101. And part of that course involves walking a block away from the seminary and role-playing a conversation about how you get saved through Jesus. And you know what was interesting? Even though the whole thing was scripted, even though I knew everything that I was going to say, I was still nervous. I was still nervous to talk to uh, my seminary professor about my faith in Jesus. And have you ever felt that nervousness before? Have you ever felt that talking to a co-worker? And they say something like, all religions are the same, they just have a different name to it. And you want to respond, but instead you say nothing. Because you're nervous, you don't know how they're going to react. Or maybe you have that friend who, you know they're not a big fan of church, and you've kind of been waiting for that moment to bring it up, but uh, you're nervous. You don't know how they're going to react. That's why we've been going through the sermon series called Unlikely Missionaries. 
Because God calls us to be his missionaries, whether you like it or not. And so many of us here say, "Mm, that's not true of me because I get nervous. I'm a little shy. I'm not that good at talking to other people. So when God says he calls us to be missionaries, he must be talking to the person next to me, but not talking to me. But throughout the Bible, we see God use unlikely people. Unlikely people who struggled with nervousness and feelings of inadequacy and shame and guilt, just like you and I do about sharing our faith. And today, I want to focus on just one question that we have, uh, talking about sharing our faith to a specific group of people. And here it is. How can we share the good news of Jesus to those who have objections? Because you know that when you talk about Jesus, there might be people out there that don't like it. Or maybe they're not opposed to it, but they're more just, they have questions, they have holdups, they have some form of doubt or skepticism or cynicism about the message that you have. And I bring this up because this is a big question or a big excuse that I hear all the time for why people don't want to share their faith. And it goes something like this, um, what if what if they ask me something and I don't know the answer? What if they ask me a question and I don't know how to respond to that? So how do we get over that? How do we get over that fear of not knowing how to respond to somebody? How do we prepare ourselves to be better missionaries to reach people that have some form of objections to the Christian faith? And to do this, we're going to look at a story that I just read about how Jesus called his disciples and Nathaniel, he had his objections. So let's look again at how the story began. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So this story happened immediately after Jesus had found his first two disciples, Peter and Andrew. Last week, we, talk, we learned about how Jesus reached out to Peter and Andrew while they were fishing. Um, but now Jesus continued on his hunt to search down more disciples, and he called Philip first. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip was so excited. He said, We found him. The whole Bible, we've been waiting for this guy to come, the Savior. If you open up your Bibles, you'll see that there's two halves to it. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And in the Old Testament, the whole book is talking about how one day a Savior would come. And the Jewish people, they knew the prophecies, they read their scriptures, and they were just waiting and waiting for the Savior to come. And Philip was so excited because we found him. Jesus is here. The Savior is here. And he was so excited that he went and immediately found Nathanael and talked to him. But Nathanael wasn't quite as excited. Nathanael said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael had his objections because of where Jesus was from. He was from Nazareth. And I think growing up when I heard the story, I just thought to myself, Nazareth must have been a real dump, huh? Must have just been some real small town, real dumpy place that nothing good could have ever come from there. And that might have been true. But more likely, uh, Nathanael, he was Jewish and he knew his scriptures. And he would have known that in the Old Testament, there were no prophecies about Nazareth. He knew that there were prophecies about how a Savior would come from Bethlehem and that he would go to Jerusalem. But the Bible didn't say anything about 
Nazareth. And Nathaniel knew that. So how could anything good possibly come from there? So whether he thought that Nazareth was just a small town, that nothing good could ever come from there, or he knew his, his Bible super well and he knew that there weren't any prophecies about it, he still had objections to believing that Jesus was legit, that Jesus was the true Savior. And people come up with all sorts of objections today as well. I kind of picture it like this. It's kind of like somebody holding up their hand saying, wait, 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 hold up. I'm not going to believe until we get over this. There are so many different forms of objections that people have, just like how Nathaniel did. I remember back to a couple years ago, I was in Canada and I was leading a Bible information class. And there was a woman there named Karen Lee. And Karen, she was an immigrant from China. And she was growing in the faith. She was excited to hear about Jesus. But then we started talking about hell. And she had a really tough time with hell because, as she said, if I accept Christianity, that means I need to accept that everyone that I've ever known and my entire family is now in hell. Talk about an objection to the Christian faith. I remember one time talking to a teenager who was just upright in my face and he said, wait, 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 you expect me to believe that there was just some guy who died and came back to life again. Maybe you've talked to somebody who's had a really tough time in their life. Maybe they lost a loved one and they think to themselves, how could God ever be a God of love when he lets this happen to me? Maybe you've wrestled with some thoughts and doubts yourself. Maybe you've wrestled with the idea of how can God be good when so many bad things happen in this world? If you've been a Christian for a while, I'm sure there are some objections that you've had to wrestle with throughout your life. And if you've ever shared your faith before, I'm sure you've run into people that have had objections as well. It makes sense. That's what happens. There are people that just immediately accept and believe in Jesus, but there are also those who have big objections. So how do we deal with that? Let me show you what Philip did to Nathaniel. He said, come and see. That's it. That's all he said. He didn't get into an argument with Nathaniel. He didn't say, all right, we're opening up the Bible. We're going to look through here, and we're going to find where it talks about Nazareth in the Bible. They didn't get in a confrontation, but instead he just said, come and see. Come and see Jesus. Let me show you the guy who I know. And that is a huge reminder for us that if somebody brings up an objection to you, you don't need to get in an argument. You don't need to get in a fight. But you can still say, come and see. Because I know that there are people here who you might say to yourself, see, I don't even know the Bible super well yet, so if somebody asks me a question about it, I'm just going to be gone. But we can't constantly keep falling back to that excuse of what if somebody asks me something I don't know as an excuse to never share your faith again. Because I know that you can say, come and see. You can say, come with me to church on Sunday. Come sit with me. Come sit with me and my family. Just come and see. Because you don't need to have a PhD in microbiology to talk to somebody about creation versus evolution. You don't need to have a master's of theology to talk to somebody about the Bible. But you can still say, come and see to somebody. You can still invite them to come and see Jesus. And I'd like to show you um, a couple of statistics if my remote lets me. There it is. Here's some statistics for you. How do people start attending church? 86% start from a friend who invited me. 
6% from organized visitation, 6% invited by the pastor, and 2% from advertisements. Isn't that interesting? 86% of how people start coming to church is simply because a friend or family member said, come and see. 6% are invited by the pastor. I guess I'm not too surprised by that, because if I invite somebody to come to Holy Trinity that I don't know that well, you know what they're going to think? Well, of course you have to ask me. You're the pastor. Of course you want me to go to church. It's your job. Um, so I think that's an important lesson as well, that a uh, you know, church can't simply look to their pastor as the only one who does evangelism, right? And then finally, I'd like to talk about that bottom line there. 2% comes from advertisements. I'm a big fan of advertisements for churches. I'm a big fan of uh, getting the Facebook ads going and you know talking about our church to our community through that way. But I think we need to realize what the pros and cons are of advertisements. I think advertisements are really well of drawing awareness to who we are, where we are, what we do. But I, we also can't think that if we just start putting advertisements out there for our church, that our church is just going to grow like crazy because we have a really good marketing campaign. Because churches grow when uh, members invite their friends and families to come to church. But maybe it would help if I put it like this. Imagine if I was a pastor and was given two options. And one option was to have a giant Holy Trinity billboard that overlooked I-69 right back there, and thousands of cars would drive past it every single day and see the Holy Trinity billboard. That's option one. Or option two, Holy Trinity was a church where its members were dedicated to inviting their friends and family to church. What option do you think I would take? Churches grow. People hear about Jesus when friends and family members say, come and see. So that's my invitation for you. Find people to tell them to come and see, to come sit with you, and to learn about Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So Nathanael went to go see Jesus, and as soon as he walked up to him, Jesus said, Look, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And we might be thinking to ourselves, um, Jesus, did you see this guy talking smack about you? He was saying bad things about you and about your hometown, and now you give him a compliment? How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So Jesus knew the skepticism that Nathanael had. He supernaturally saw Nathanael. He heard the conversation that he had about how he was asking about Nazareth and how could anything good come from there. But Jesus still called him. Jesus still called him to be his disciple, even though he had his doubts and objections. And that leads to our next big point, that Jesus loves doubters and skeptics. As I said before, that if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I'm sure there has been a season in your life where you've really wrestled with some doubts or skepticism or some, some objections. Maybe it was something really big, like, is God even real or did Jesus rise from the dead? Or maybe it was something a little smaller, like, how reliable is the Bible or how much can we trust these things? Whether it's a small objection or a really big objection, I'm sure you've faced them before. But Jesus loves doubters and skeptics. 
Jesus didn't cast Nathaniel away. He didn't say, get away from me. Remember the story of Doubting Thomas, about how after Jesus rose from the dead and Doubting Thomas didn't believe that he did so? How did Jesus treat him? He said, come here. Look at my marks. Touch, touch the hole in my hands. Touch the hole in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus loves doubters and skeptics like you and me. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, if you have doubts, leave the church. Get out of here. Stop being a follower of Jesus. Instead, Jesus loves doubters and skeptics. And we see that here when he called Nathaniel, even when he had his objections. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And just like that, all of Nathaniel's objections washed away. He was surprised that Jesus saw him and knew him and knew what he was talking about and still called him to be his disciple. And just like that, he believed that Jesus was the Savior. He believed that he is the Son of God, the King of Israel, and he began to follow Jesus. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Jesus says, you believe because I said I saw you talking under the fig tree. But you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see some greater things than that being my disciple. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And do you remember this Bible story? This Bible story where Jesus went out into the desert and the angels ascended and descended onto Jesus? Because I don't, because it's not in the Bible. Uh, there isn't a story talking about that, of how angels descended and ascended on Jesus. But what Jesus is doing here is he is referencing back the story of the Old Testament that, that I read to you earlier about uh, Jacob's ladder. Jacob, the unlikely missionary who was a, a liar and he tricked his brothers and lied to his father and uh, should never have been used for God's plan. Um, while he ran away from his family, he lied down in the middle of the woods and he had a dream from God. A dream from God where he saw a ladder on the ground that went all the way up to heaven. Maybe it looked something like that. And there are angels going up and down on it. And he looked up at the top of the ladder and he saw God. And God encouraged him saying, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to bless you. And the point of that story is we see in this story a connection between God and man. We see God encouraging and comforting Jacob even though Jacob felt his guilt and shame. We see God encouraging him and blessing somebody that didn't deserve it. And that's what we see with Jesus. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus is the ladder to heaven. He is the one who descended to this earth so that we could ascend to heaven. He is the connection between God and man that will give us eternal comfort. Because we know our doubts. We know our criticism, our objections, our skepticism. But on the cross, Jesus paid for those sins too. And through his blood, he opens up the gates of heaven for us and he leads us how to get there. He tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life and how he will bring us safely to heaven. That's what he does. Jesus is that connection between God and man. That's what Jesus does for us. And that's what Nathaniel got to see. Nathaniel got to see Jesus make connections throughout his ministry and serve other people. And he got to see Jesus rise from the dead and make that ultimate connection between us, between God and man, that all of our sins are forgiven in his name. That's the greater thing that Nathaniel got to see. And that's the message that we believe about what Jesus has done for us. 
And since we know that, since we know that wonderful message about what Jesus has done for us, invite someone now to come and see. Invite somebody to come and see Jesus. You don't need to know every story in the Bible to share your faith. You don't need to have a master's in theology. You don't need to be the smartest person around. But you can invite somebody to come and see. So take advantage of those opportunities. Make so many close connections with people in the community that when you invite them to come, they have a reason to come because they trust you and they think you're a good person that has been there for them in the past. And we have so many opportunities at Holy Trinity to invite people to come and see. Just next week, we are having a contemporary worship concert. We have uh, him and her coming. They're coming on Saturday night and leading our worship on Sunday morning. And what a great opportunity. If you know somebody that's a little bit skeptical about church, what an easy bridge to get to have somebody to just come to a concert instead and to hear the message of Jesus that way. And uh, next month, we are going to dedicate our building project. And there have been so many people that have been so interested in our building project, unbelievers and believers, that are just so interested and say, hey, what's going on over there? What a great opportunity to invite people to come. And we tie that in with our Welcome Home Sunday. That's the same day that we're dedicating our building on October 27th. And we have this crazy goal as a church on October 27th that we have 100% attendance of our Holy Trinity members. And how do you think that's going to be possible? How do you think we will get 100% of Holy Trinity members to come on one Sunday? Well, it only helps if we have people who say, come and see. You know the people that haven't been here for a while. You know your family members that used to come here and now, for whatever reason, don't. So I encourage you, invite them once again to come and see. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to invite people to come and see Jesus. Because that's the message that we have. The message that we have that even though we are sinful by nature and have doubts and criticisms about Jesus, he still forgives us our sin because Jesus loves even doubters and even skeptics. We do this all in his name. Amen. Please stand.